Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. On Sunday afternoons, and there's some things, there's some phrases in Romans 8 that I want to circle back to for this afternoon that can give us some insight into how our homes should, what type of spirit should be in our homes as Christians. And in Romans 8, chapter number one, it says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. There are a lot of homes that have a condemning spirit in that home. And Christians, Christian homes should not have that type of spirit because of Romans chapter 8. Now, if we go to Ephesians 6, I'd like to show a contrasting truth regarding this. And if you look at Ephesians 6, and if you look at verse number 11, we all see, we all know this verse, put on the whole armor of God. But the verses that come before verses num, uh, verse number 11 has to do with the family. And if you look at verse 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And then there's some instruction to fathers. Provoke not your children to wrath. Bring them up in nurture and admonition of the Lord. And we understand this. And it breaks it down a little farther. Servants, obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh. With fear and trembling and singleness of your heart is unto Christ. You're obeying your boss because of your willingness to want to obey Christ. And that's the, that's the motive. That's the heart mindset. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as what? servants of Christ, like we mentioned, doing the will of God from the heart. And that really is the crux of the spirit of our homes. It, it has to be, it has to be from the heart. With goodwill, doing service as to the Lord, not to men. Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether it be bond or free. And you masters do the same things unto them, forbearing, threatening, Neither that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. Imagine raising a home. Imagine having a spouse and it's just all threatening. Imagine raising kids and all you're doing is threatening them. That'd be a pretty condemning spirit. I'm sure we would all agree. And then we get to 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil but we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers against the rulers of darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places i appreciate the dedication to the church house especially on a sunday afternoon and especially on a nice day I wish that we had a culture in America that had more dedication to the local church. I wish we did. The reality is we don't. 
but that reality shouldn't become your reality, nor do I want that reality to become my reality because a family that's disconnected from a local church is going to die spiritually. And all those verses that we read about the, the, the family with children and fathers, and then we get on the whole armor of God. Yeah. David sent Uriah into battle. Uriah was disconnected from his family and Uriah died. You can take a picture of that spiritually and make it to the family. You disconnect the family from the local church. You're going to have a family that's out in the battle and they've got armor, but they're going to die. They're going to die spiritually. You're here. I know you're here. You know that I know you're here and you know that I'm here because we're all here. And coming to church isn't going to get you any more saved. And being out of church ain't going to send you to hell. But I'll tell you what it will do. It will help us sharpen our armor. <laughs> we get more doctrinal teaching. We get some more sharpening to go out there and live this week. With some good armor. It would be a crime in the military if you left your fellow soldier wounded or you just left them. We're in a Christian battle, yet culturally in our country, we have Christians that are just willing to leave their brother and sister on the battlefield. You just go on, we'll leave, leave there. Your family, my family, we need the local church. To help prevent some condemning spirits that may be in our home. We all need it. No condemnation to them are in Christ Jesus. Okay, great. But if you just stay at home and you don't get involved and you don't, you're not going to have anything to help counter what's just going to come up. It's just going to happen. Look at um, how many of you would be willing to give the devil an advantage? You wouldn't, and I wouldn't. You wouldn't be willing to give the devil an advantage. Nobody would say that they would be willing to do that. But when we give up on each other, guess what you've done? You've given the devil an advantage. We shouldn't do that. First Timothy chapter number three. Look at this. First Timothy chapter number three. You get some qualifications. You got a bishop. Tells you all about that. And you get to verse number six and it, and it says you're going to be a leader of the church. It says not a novice. You know what a novice is? That's the guy on the ball team that don't show up. He's a novice. He can't. He's not interested in taking care of his team. He's his own team. Not a novice, 
lest being lifted up with pride, here's the word, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. So what am I trying to say to wrap up this thought on Romans 8? We don't want to have a condemning spirit in our homes. Yet if pride, because we're novices in our thinking and in our living, if pride starts to emerge in our heart, guess what we're going to fall into? Condemnation of the devil. Now we're in Christ, no condemnation. Look, our soul's saved. We're going to heaven. We have eternal security. We went through all that this morning. But I'm telling you, a lot of Christians fall because of pride. And they get out of the local church because of pride. They don't think they need the church because, look, there's two or three of us and we're gathering together and we're the church. Okay. If that's the hill you want to die on, help yourself. But every family and every testimony I've ever heard from preachers say that thing ends up like a train wreck disaster. You're, this, this is coming from families. Don't drink, don't smoke, and don't stay out late on Friday nights. <laughs> but you know what can ruin a family? Pride. So you come to church and you listen to a preacher that's going to tell you quit being prideful. Well, what about the preacher? That's why I'm here. That's why I'm here too. You know, it talks about having oversight, but it also talks about being a monk. Which one? Both. Next, go back to Romans 8. We're going to look at the second point tonight. In Romans 8, verse number 2, it says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. I don't want a spirit of condemnation in my home, and I trust you don't either. But I also want a spirit of freedom. You've been made free, and you should be able to rejoice in God regarding that. Now, the verse I'd like to look at as a contrast truth to that is in Philippians. So let's go to the book of Philippians, and let's get chapter 4. There are people, and there are homes, and there are individuals in those homes that are always anxious about something. Philippians 4, verse 6, it says, right before the verse starts, at the end of verse 5, it says, the Lord is at hand. And then it says, be careful for nothing. People that are anxious all the time view life as there's always something going on that's got to be figured out. And that's something that's always going on. You don't know what it is. It's just people are always, it, 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 all that does is cause up, built up anxiety. But Philippians says, be careful for Nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And people justify their violation of this verse by saying, well, what are you saying? We shouldn't care about anything? 
Oh, no. Oh, no, we should care. Let me ask you this question. This morning, or this afternoon, is your mind really affixed on having confidence and trusting in God to provide for you? Is it? Honestly. That's what it means. That's this verse. Be careful for nothing. If you are always concerned about the affairs of this life, I'm telling you, you don't have confidence in God. We leave here today, we go out on Monday, and it's always the affairs of this life have consumed us. The affairs of this life have us just running around our mind in circles. All of that, all of that it just dishonors God. And it accuses God. People that are anxious, they're always on to something. It's always something, 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 something. They accuse God of being mean. But he's not. Be careful for nothing. And the spirit that comes out of that in the home is this. There's just no sense of freedom. There isn't. There's always a past hurt that we have to live in. Are you a new creature? Stop living in a past hurt. Well, this happened. This person did something and this happened. This Turn off the news. I'm telling you, some spouses might need to tell their spouse, get off the Internet. Why? Because they're always anxious about something. There's always a past hurt to be reminded of, to relive. And there's always a future hurt that's coming. <laughs> It's you are dishonoring God when you live your life like that. And it's immaturity. God help us. And it turns into a home that's full of control and full of anxiety. How does that come out? Typically in two ways. Some of it's aggression. What do you mean by that? It's the red bars up. Highly critical of everybody and everything all the time. Does the Bible tell us to be careful for nothing? It comes out in non-aggressive ways. How's that happen? Always needy. I need this needy, 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 needy. They just need something. Always needing something. Why? Because they can't obey the verse that says... Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. You can't feel fear of the world. You can't live in defensiveness and in a state of anxiety against the world all the time. Why? Because that spirit, not only will it wreck you from the inside out, but it will start to spill over to your family and you will wreck them from the inside out. They're always anxious about something. There's always somebody that we have to be defensive about. There's always something that could be careful for nothing. Look at John 16. Watch what Jesus said. 
John 16, verse 33, it says, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me, how many of you are in Christ? That would be probably all of us, hopefully. If you're not in him, get in him today. We'll, we'll help you know how to do that. That you might have what? Peace. Period. And then he goes on to say, in the world ye shall have tribulation. Well, what is it, Lord? How am I going to have peace when I have tribulation? Isn't that a funny verse when Jesus says that? I think it's a funny verse. Because he, he tells you to have peace at the same time he tells you you're going to have tribulation. How do you have peace in him? Where else are you in the world? What's that going to give you? Tribulation. You're not going to get over it. You're not going to get away from it. And then he says, but be of good cheer. You all know this verse. You've heard this verse how many times? Here comes the tribulation. Now be of good cheer. And that really just throws you for a curveball. Why? I have overcome the world. You know, my mom used to say to me all the time, be careful. Anything, anything growing up as kids, you'd always repeat the same thing. Be careful, be careful. As an adult, if I see my mother and I leave, she'll say, now be careful, Jim. Yeah, mom, I'm going to go out and I'm purposely going to do something that's not careful. Thank you, mother. <laughs> like. The more you say that, it's like assuming it's like you're assuming that the person is going to go out and not be careful. <laughs> look, look both ways before you cross the street. Well, you have to tell kids that way that because they don't. Well, well before all the adults leave, if I tell them every Sunday, I mean, make sure you look both ways across the street. The adults are going to be like, what's wrong with the preacher? Like, that's someone that's a. That would be a preacher that's just so full of anxiety that he can't have any peace about anybody leaving because he thinks the adults aren't going to look both ways before they cross the street and they're going to hit by a car. But for the kids, we need to say that, right? So should you be careful or should you not be careful? What's Jesus trying to tell us? Provide reasonable caution and training and accountability. But at the same time, be of good cheer. You're going to have tribulation. Be careful for nothing. Do you trust me to take care of you or not? Because if you do, that's going to bring a spirit of peace in the home. And we need a spirit of peace. In our Christian home. We need a spirit of no condemnation. In our Christian home. Go back to Romans 8. I'll show you the third point. How many points are there? Four. In case anyone is taking notes. Romans 8. Again. We looked at. The spirit of. No condemnation. Verse number one. We looked at the spirit of peace. In Romans 8, verse 15, uh, the next one that we will look at, for you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, 
But you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. I'm always paranoid. I'm always defensive and hostile. But I want to tell you about my Lord. <laughs> right? Look, the worst will always happen. Just mark that down. Okay? If something comes up, I'm going to overanalyze it for three weeks. And every single person that comes into contact with me, I know they have an ulterior motive. But hold your thought for a second. I want to tell you about the good ones. Who wants that? Nobody. Do you know what that is? That's what Romans 8 calls a spirit of bondage. You're in bondage to everybody and everything. Second Timothy 1. And God gave us the Holy Spirit so we would have the spirit of adoption, spirit of no condemnation, the spirit of peace, realizing there's tribulation out there and it ain't going away. You're not going to make it go away. You're not going to vote it out of the way. You're not going to Google it out of the way. 2 Timothy 1, verse number 7. Watch what God gave us in contrast to the spirit of of bondage and, and, and fear. Okay, for God. Give a thought here in my verse. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. I said, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I used to think I used to think it was my job to protect everything and everybody. I did martial arts. I taught that professionally for 16 years. You're teaching people how to protect themselves. So I you know I thought it was my job to make sure everything I viewed was about Protecting them against the enemy. And parents, we need to be careful that we don't go so far down this hole because our it will turn into pride and our pride will be justified because we will continually roll in our mind, look, we're justifying our pride because we have to protect our children against everything and everyone. And what happens is you end up with a violation of this verse. You don't have power. You don't have love. You don't have a sound mind because you're going schizo inside. There's somebody you got to protect them against. This is how cults are formed. Because complete and 100% obedience is required and a protective bubble is created. And if you go outside that protective bubble, oh no, oh no, 
something's going to happen. But it's justified because that person views it as betrayal. But maybe it's not. Maybe you just don't have a sound mind about it. And if commands don't work, homes move into, well, a guilt trip will. If laws don't work, well, not giving you attention will work. And if the commands don't work, well, threatening you with your life will. <laughs> and threatenings don't work. Guilt trips don't work. What do our homes need? I'm talking about a spirit about it. Our homes need a spirit of adoption. That brings with it a spirit of peace and a spirit of safety. No one's betraying. Okay. Go to the second chapter. The solution's right in this next chapter. Second Timothy chapter 2. Look at verse number 25. Because it's not the rules in our home. It's, it, it's, it's the spirit in our home. And that's what this message is about. There's so much talk in Romans 8 about the Holy Spirit, and we're doing the family on, on Tuesday or Sunday afternoons at 2. So it says in meekness in verse 25, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. If that's there, I'm looking at my life, I'm looking at my home, I'm asking you to do the same thing. If that's there, repent. Acknowledge that truth. Why? That they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. The Bible said, the son there shall make you free. Ye shall be free indeed. Are you, you, are you free? Then why shouldn't the spirit at our homes be one of freedom? Do you have the Holy Spirit of God? Is it the spirit of adoption? then why shouldn't the spirit at our home be that spirit of adoption? If it's a spirit of bondage, you're just in the snare. A new neighbor moved on the block. Oh no, everyone go down the lowest, buy some plywood, let's lock up the windows, paint the windows, we gotta get you. Oh no, we don't know who this guy is. That's a spirit of fear. We can't fear people. We're supposed to witness to these people. I forget what we were talking about or thinking about. I think it was riding bikes in the neighborhood or something. And Remember, as a kid, you just run the block and you ride your bike and, you know, you're. No parent does that. Because the world is so wicked. That's not a spirit of fear. That's called using your brain. Okay. You, you, you hear what I'm saying? 
new neighbor moves in, you just don't send your, yeah, go, go down, play with them. No, no, that's called a spirit of, you're not thinking things through. What I'm trying to draw out is you can't look at everything and everybody and be fearful. You've experienced hurt. You've seen things happen before in your life. Like we all have, the longer you live, the more hurt you are. And so you pile up all those hurts and you say you have freedom in Christ because you know that that's what the Bible says you're supposed to say, but you really live based on all of these past hurts. So every time you see somebody, it's like, oh, no, we got to. That's a spirit of bondage. And that comes out in the home if we're not careful. Of it. Last one, Romans 8. Oh, allow me to go here. This is important. Romans 8, verse number 17. Ah, Lord helps. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. We talked about being an heir this morning. Have you trusted Christ? You're a joint heir with him. All heirship belongs to you. Now look at the text I'd like to cross-reference is 1 Peter 3. This is going to be our last point, 1 Peter 3. And I want you to get a hold of this. Because we need to protect our families. And I talked about how we protect them from a spirit of bondage. We protect them from a spirit of uh, fear. Uh, there's no freedom in the home. It's all bondage. There's no spirit of adoption. Uh, there's a condemning spirit in the home. And uh, you a lot of times people don't see that. It's just the family experiences that. But this last one, I'd like to draw home because, well, let's read it. First Peter chapter three, verse one. Watch what it says. Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. Now, look, this verse says the wife should be in subjection, not subject to, not in subjection to abuse. And there's a difference because many wives are the subject. <laughs> they are subjected to spiritual abuse by a man who says he's a Christian and uses this verse that says my wife needs to be in subjection. Yeah, she is, except you're subjecting her to abuse. And that's wrong and that's sinful. And that comes out in homes all over this nation of people say that they're Christians. Look at verse 2. While they behold their chaste conversation coupled with fear. I will say this. Ladies, you don't have to worry about this. But some wives do. They have to fear their husband. Because he's going to fly off the handle. They have to fear him because he might smack a hand. And hit her and hurt her. The ladies here tonight, you can praise God that you don't have that situation. But don't assume for a minute that every wife does. 
And I'm saying this with young ladies in, in, in the room, so pay attention, young ladies. There's a spirit that's in a home. And that's where I want to get to the bottom line before I help make my daughter. You hear that? Help her. <laughs> Parents should be involved helping with that decision to be married off. Why? Because the last thing any mom wants, the last thing any father wants, is their daughter to be married off to a guy that knows all the right things to say and he's got the right clothes, whatever they're supposed to be, that he wears to church. He's got the right Bible. He knows what to say. He knows how to answer all the questions. But there's a spirit there. And that's what I'm looking for. What's the spirit? Because that can, get, that can destroy a home. Other wives, they don't fear God. So what they do is they abuse their husbands. Young ladies, you don't want to grow up to be that. And the reason that, believe it or not, believe it or not, in our day, men are being physically abused by their wives. Riddle me that one. But it, it, it is happening. Physically, spiritually, it is happening. Do you know why that's happening? It's not because the guy's a wimp. It's because the ladies don't fear God. And that spirit moves into the relationship. I'm getting to where I'm going. So let's move on down to verse, well, let's move on down to verse 5, because I want to get to where we're supposed to be ending here. For after this manner, in the old time, the holy women also, who trust in God, adorn themselves, being in subjection to their own husbands. In other words, it wasn't about your hair or your jewelry or any of your clothes and your apparel. It was about a meek and quiet spirit. It was about being in subjection to your husband because you feared God. That's what you were adorned with. That is what was, that's what's attractive. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, as long as you do well and not afraid with any, uh, any amazement. It says, likewise, here it is, ye husbands, dwell with them, that's your wife, according to knowledge, that's your wife, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together, you hear that? If your wife is a Christian lady, you are heirs together of the grace of life. Your wife who is saved is a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Why would you abuse her? Why would you talk down to her? Why would you treat her in an irreverent and disrespectful manner? She's a joint heir with Jesus Christ. The same as you, if you're saved, men. Don't say, yeah, I'm saved, I'm a joint heir, and look at your wife and say, yeah, she's the weaker vessel. No, she's a joint heir. And if men, men, if we are not right with our wives, we are not right with God. She is a joint heir if she is saved just as much as you are. 
Titus 9, and we'll finish in Titus 9 on this point. Or, uh, Titus 1, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Verse number 9. <laughs> Too much. Not enough sleep. Titus 1. You want elders, you get some, you get some help from God's word on what's expected and what needs to be met to qualify as an elder. How does all of that be met? If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly. How is that met? It ain't met by going to church, and it ain't met by going to work. It's met in the home. That's how that qualification plays itself out, in the home. Well, I don't want to be a deacon or an elder. Okay, well, you should still want to be this. You still want. You still should want to have your children faithful. I hope you don't just let them run around doing riotous stuff around town. No, you wouldn't do that. Uh, verse number seven, uh, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filth lucre, lover of hospitality, of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast, faithful word as he has been taught. He may be able by sound doctrine to exhort and convince the gainsayers. Why? There are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision. So what do we do with them? Whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses. They ruin homes. And if you think the Christian home is not in ruin today, I beg to differ. I'm not trying to end on a sour note. I'm just trying to tell you. Christian homes are falling. Christian marriages are failing. They shouldn't be. But there are voices that people listen to and they get into. And then the next thing you know, the whole house is subverted. This is why you be qualified good men leading in local churches to help protect against the subversion. And where does it all start? In the home. Don't lose sight of your home. Don't buy into the voices. Don't get deceived. Don't let the thing go to subversion. That means the foundation is destroyed and flipped on its head. And the whole, how do you destroy something? Take down the foundation. How do you, the gates of hell are not going to prevail against the New Testament church. But how is Satan trying to destroy good New Testament churches? Family. He wants a spirit of bondage in your home, a spirit of fear in your home, a spirit of condemnation in your home. 
And he wants you out of the local church. So you can just self-destruct on your own. All in the name of verse 16. They profess that they know God. But in works. They deny him. Being abominable. It's, a, it's an abominable thing if you've got a condemning home. And disobedient. It's a disobedient home. If you don't have a spirit of freedom and peace. And unto every good work reprobate. We can't just profess things. We have got to get a hold of a spirit of freedom. A spirit of adoption. A spirit of liberty. A spirit of peace. We're in Christ. And there is no condemnation. I didn't give you a list of rules to do or not do. I tried to paint a picture of the spirit that we've seen in Romans 8 and take that spirit and put that application in towards our homes so that the Holy Spirit is the one who's leading our home. Finally, by way of disclaimer, I am not suggesting that anyone Stop being cautious and and um, and uh, prepared for the things that we need to be cautious and prepared about in this world. So I hope I draw the distinction between the two. I'm very cautious. I'm very prepared. I'm very skeptical about a lot of things. But I want to draw a line to, I don't want that to consume the anxiety of every living part of my soul. Because I've got the Holy Spirit that's a more higher power. And he will protect me, he will protect my family, and he will protect our church. If we just let him. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.